All right. Our passage this morning is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their delightful, deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. All right. Amen. Yeah, I can't, I can't emphasize enough that uh, Easter is going to be fun this year. Uh, Rocco's Tacos, I'm sold. It's like the Lord's Resurrection and then Rocco's Tacos, it's like, I'm not, a, I'm not a dessert guy either, those of you guys who know me, it's like, but Rocco's Tacos, they, they get me, it's, it's good. Um, welcome to Current, we're so glad you're here, what a, what a fun day to be celebrating family dedications and, and getting in the Word together. Uh, one of the questions that I've been asked just about as many as any other as a pastor down the years is, how do I grow in my faith? It's a great question. How do we grow in our faith? If you're here today, you don't identify as Christian, and you're just asking the question, what does it mean to grow in this faith? Or maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for many years. How would you answer that question? Like, how would you answer the question, how do I grow in my faith? Or how does one grow in the, in the Christian faith? Uh, we could say a lot of things. There's, there's, there's wonderful answers we could give to that question. We could say, uh, we grow by reading the scriptures, by reading the Bible. That is, we grow by learning more about who God is, what he's done for us, what he calls us to be about. That's one way we grow in the faith. We could say we grow by learning to pray uh, more deeply. That is learning to commune with him, uh, not only talking to him, but also learning to listen to him. There's so many ways that we can, we can grow in the faith. But today, Paul highlights two ways in particular that we grow in our faith, that are not only of critical importance, by the way, to the tune of him saying twice, this is how we grow in maturity, and even at one point say, saying, this is how we attain unto the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I mean, that's kind of like elevating it just a little bit. Not only are these two ways of, of, of critical importance, they are often ways that Christians, it seems to me, uh, either overlook or neglect altogether. Um, but they're absolutely important. So we're going to be looking at these two ways that Paul says we are to grow in our faith and how we can lean into them and learn how we can grow through them. So let's pray, and then we'll, then we'll jump into today's text. Father, again, it's just a wonderful day to be reminded that uh, w as we celebrate family dedications, that the, the church is not just here present in this room, but it's also extended out into the hallways there, into the other classrooms of these, of these little ones and those serving them. Lord, would you bless each and every one of them, helping them uh, lay strong foundations in Christ and growing to love you and love their neighbor. And uh, Father, would you bless the teachers who are back there too. Thank you so much for the gift of them serving our next generation and be with the, the parents and grandparents in this room. Uh, Father, today as we, we turn to your word and we consider this very important topic of how we can grow in you. Lord, would you please give us your spirit to understand what you have in front of us? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
All right, so some context here, okay? We've been going through the book of Ephesians, and what we've seen is that the first half of the book of Ephesians, so chapters 1 through 3, have been about theology or about doctrine. That is what God has done for us. Paul just comes out the gate in Ephesians 1 verse 3, just telling us that we have every spiritual blessing. God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ, And then he goes on to say, and we, though we were dead in our sin and transgressions, we've been made alive in Christ. And then in chapter 3, he says, oh, wait, before moving on to something else, he takes this little bit of a detour. He says, one more thing. He says, I got to tell you about this mystery that's been made known, namely that God has established a church. So we've been looking at this, these, these chapters on theology and doctrine. Well, in chapters 4 through 6, the second half of the book of Ephesians, turn a corner and start talking about, well, what does this mean for us? Uh, Paul starts to look at the the practical. And so that's why we saw last week as we kicked off this section of the scriptures in chapter four, verse one, he says, this, I I therefore urge you then to live in light of the, this calling that you've received, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. And he started by talking about what? Unity, Christian unity, that we need to make every effort, he says, to maintain unity in the church. Well, today he gets into a topic where he expands on that thought of of unity uh, and and develops it a little further in talking about how we grow as Christians. And and one thing to note here that doesn't quite come across in the English as well as it does in the original language, so just to note it, is he's not only talking about how we now grow in our our, uh, relationship with God, grow in the faith individually, but he's also talking about how we do that corporately. So there's a lot of that language. We grow not only on our own uh, being built up and maturing in Christ, but as a body, it says in verses 12 and 16. So it's really important to understand that how we grow is not only individually, although that's very important, but we also grow as a body or together. So what are these two ways that, we, that are of critical importance that we grow in our uh, maturation with Christ and in terms of attaining to the full measure of Christ? Uh, these ways that are often overlooked, often neglected. Number one, We grow in our faith, Paul tells us, through intentional service. I'm going to read the scripture here in a second, but think about that. When you think about how we grow in our faith, have you ever thought about it that way? It's like we grow through serving. That's how it's part of our faith, not just to do and be a part of things, but that's how we grow is through intentional service. Here's how Paul wrote it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people, here it is, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. One of the ways that is of critical importance that we grow in the faith is through intentional service, through works of service. And incidentally, he gives me a little bit of my job description as a pastor. And actually, by way of extension, he he talks about that for, for everybody who's in vocational ministry, those who are on church staff. He says, to equip God's people for works of service. Think about this. It means church leadership shouldn't be about just doing the ministry. Actually, church leadership ought to be equipping others to do ministry. Is, it, is this making sense? Like, it's, I was reading one uh, Bible commentator this week, and they were talking. So this idea is, like, there's not a, the church is not a hierarchy, right? He, he said, he, the way he said it is, like, church is not a pyramid. It's not like, you know, everybody's kind of reporting up, and there's, like, the, the further you get up, more people are doing, like, the, the important thing, or whatever it might be. It's, it's not a pyramid, nor is it a bus, he said. <laughs> It's like, you know, there's a couple people driving, and everybody else is just kind of along for the ride. No, we're all, we all ought to be equipped for God's 
uh, works of service, serving one another. And real, real quickly here, it's a part of the teaching, so I want to hit on it, although it's not kind of like the higher level what we're touching upon. When he's calling out that there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers here to equip God's pe- uh, people for works of service, he's calling out, if there's any theme among those roles in the church, it's that they each have the role of teaching. So get this, what they're saying is if you have a role like this of, of leadership and teaching, you ought to be, as a key part of your ministry, teaching that it's not about just teaching. You got to understand, you got to be teaching that everybody has a part. We all are supporting ligaments and all are a part of the body. And so we each need to play our part. So he says that we need to equip God's people for, for works of service. What does that mean, to equip? It seems to me when he's saying we need to equip God's people for works of service, when we need to equip each other, it's this idea of we all have unique gifts and we all understand that there are needs, right? And so when somebody comes to church or is getting involved, you know, and we use this members of the body kind of uh, analogy to understand, people are gifted in different ways as we also understand there's different needs. Now, in the best of circumstances, those wonderful gifts that we each have can meet the actual needs and there'll be a nice coupling, right? I mean, it's like the person who's really good with people-type ministries doing people-type ministries. There's a need that's filled there. But that's not always the case, right? Now, it's ideally the case. We want to try to move towards that. But sometimes, for instance, there are just times where, say, a church just has a lot of needs that not everybody necessarily is gifted towards, and they just need to meet those needs. Are you you, you tracking? Um, That would be a great scenario if it could all match up, but that's not always the case. And then there's another side of this, that even if there is a, a, a need that meets your spiritual gifting, your unique spiritual gifting, sometimes the need needs to have some faithfulness shown first. Does that make sense? Jesus talks about the principle of, of faithfulness, that people who are entrusted with much first need to prove faithful with a little. And so it's this idea of, like, you might have the gifting. Let me use an example. Uh, we don't just put anybody, you know, from Welcome Lunch uh, to lead a current group or one of our Bible studies. Because you kind of have to prove faithful that, you know, this is a role of, of responsibility where you're not just facilitating conversation, but you're bringing people together, you're caring for people. You know, you kind of have to prove faithful, probably attend at least a season of groups to kind of understand, is this a good good fit? Show faithfulness, but also show that you see kind of like the way that we're trying to do it. So there's like out of a sense of unity. So the whole idea is here is equipping is there's needs and there are unique gifts. And as best we try to meet them and move towards those, we just do the best we can. Uh, one of the things I've loved from the beginning is as we've done little pushes to like recruit people, sometimes we'll put on a card, hey, here are all the ministries. You want to let us know um, what, where, where you gifted or where you want to serve? And then sometimes the team will add or put me wherever there's greatest need. It's like when people check that box, I'm like, oh, bless this person. It's like, oh, you know. Now, you don't have to do that next time we do that. But my point is there's a heart of spiritually, we try to move towards that, but sometimes there's just some realities in play. Okay, coming back to our bigger thought, though. Paul here is saying one of the ways we grow in our faith, even to the full measure of Christ, is through serving. Have you thought of it that way? That serving is not just something to get done, as, as it is, but it's also a way in which we grow in the faith and more specifically into the likeness of Jesus. Now, how does that look? Uh, one of the great gifts I'm realizing this side of, of being a part of a startup church is that when I was younger, I was a part of another startup church where I was essentially in the operations setup teardown team. 
Um, we didn't call it back then because we didn't. There weren't there weren't such categories. But I was just like picking stuff up, moving around, setting up the kids' place, the band, all that sort of stuff. And every time I see our team rolling around these like nice casters on these wonderful wheels, I'm just like my past self is kind of jealous because we used to carry around these like super awkwardly shaped IKEA bins that were super awkwardly packed. Uh, you ever like help someone move and they use like a large box to put books in? You're like, this was a bad choice. You know, like that's every week we're like, I'm not touching that bin. That's like you, you get that bin. So, but you know, I'm, I'm having fun with how it's you know challenging and all that. We had first of all a blast doing it because we got to know each other and just camaraderie around it. But here's the thing that it really did for my faith. It gave me a front row seat to see to see what God was doing in that church. Like, I got to see front and center, as I was just setting up, tearing down, that there was a whole church coming together to serve one another and help people say who didn't know Jesus hear about him and, and come to receive him. I was, I was back there praying with people towards that end. I was getting, I had a front row seat to understand it's a whole church. It's not just the pastor getting, and I'm just, and it's, it's become even more of a gift, I realize now, because here we are, portable church, set up, tear down, Right. And I see the guys over there setting up and tearing down. And sometimes I'll, after church, I'll try to like push things around. And again, I'm so happy these things roll and all that sort of stuff. But my heart is filled with gratitude, not just that they make it possible for us to do what we're doing today. My heart is extra filled with gratitude to be like, man, we get to roll up our sleeves and serve together. We get to link arms and take a little slice of God's kingdom as, as we hope and pray he would get advanced in a place like the Silicon Valley. Um, there's something like serving on the operations. It's just, it's just wonderful how God, and you, you start to think about, well, how does that work? Like, okay, through serving and how, to, like, what, what's the connection between us growing in the faith? Well, you, you see a front row seat. It also seems to me that it helps us get our hearts and minds around, around something that life is really about serving others, not just thinking about our own selves. When we serve others, it takes our eyes off ourselves and focuses on others. It seems to me, and I feel like the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic is like extra showing this, but it seems to me the human condition, myself included, is we have a, our, our heart's tendency is to be self-centered, self-absorbed. But it, through serving, it can help us kind of take our eyes off there for just a little bit and focus it on others, see the purpose in like, no, I'm, this is about others. I think that's part of what happens when we serve, when we choose to kind of serve, how we grow in the full measure into Christ. Uh, that's, what, that's the aim, is to become more like Jesus. And when we serve, we're becoming more like Jesus. How so? Well, Jesus very famously said in Mark 10, referring to himself, he said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, when we serve, even in the quote-unquote smallest of ways, we are joining with God in his work and becoming more akin to his heart and what he's called us to be about. And that can happen through something like serving on operations. That can happen through serving on the kids' teams. And we just talked about that, prayed about that. Um, we put out a call a few months ago for upper elementary uh, school teachers, and a number of you guys responded to that call. And I, I got to tell you, you know, the staff has just been singing the Lord's praises for you. I mean, not just, oh, we can now, you know, do this, but we're talking about like some of, the, some of you who are investing in our kids, pouring into our kids. It's like, man, for them to be investing, it's, it's just, and you think about the ROI on your investment. It's like, this is all about, to use biblical 
uh, metaphor about planting seeds and watching it grow and multiply. You want to talk about multiplication, it's investing in the little ones and talking about their, their future. Um, you can grow through service like uh, playing uh, instruments and musicians, being, being a musician. Uh, this last week in my uh, daily uh, reading, I, I came across Psalm 33 randomly, and it says this, sing to him a new song, play skillfully and shout for joy. There's something about playing skillfully that helps elevate others when they sing and when they want to express. You don't want me leading worship uh, through, through instruments up here, right? But, but, but those of you who are using your gifts towards that, you, you're helping us elevate a little bit, experience God's goodness and all. And look, Jesus at one point said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. When you choose, for instance, to serve in the kids, you know what's going to happen just naturally? is you're going to go, I should be praying for these little ones. Oh, you know what? I should be praying for their families too. When you're, singing, when you're playing in the band, you're like, man, I should be praying that the church grows in its knowledge of love and expression of its worship to God. It just naturally just kind of happens. I think that's what Paul is highlighting here, that as we serve intentionally, it doesn't just happen. We have to serve intentionally. We begin to grow into the likeness of Jesus, even the full measure of Christ. Uh, it needs to be said, of course, that this doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings, okay? It's not just a, a confined to this space. We need to serve each other in and throughout the, the, the middle of the week, and there's opportunities to do that. By the way, I've already said it's part of our job description as church staff to be able to equip you to do this. So if, if you're interested in hearing more, let us know. I'll give you an opportunity to do that later. But that's the first way that Paul calls out, uh, which goes, by the way, hand-in-hand hand with the second one, and that is the second way we grow in our faith is through intentional relationships, okay? This one, it seems to me, is a little more straightforward in terms of understanding, but is still, like the first, it, it can be neglected or overlooked. It's, it's still very important. So we need to grow through, we grow through intentional relationships, and this we see in verses 15 and 16. Instead, and here he says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part. So another way we, quote, grow to become in every respect the mature body who is the head, that is Christ, is by speaking the truth in love, Paul says. And what's implicit here is very clear, and that is we have to be in relationships for that to happen, right? Uh, I think we all understand that we need people to kind of be in relationship to help us kind of grow and sharpen us. Um, I was with a, another pastor this last week, a guy who started a church during the middle of the pandemic. How's that? Starting the church, I think they launched Zoom church, like it's incredible. Anyways, I was just asking him, as I'm, really I'm asking everybody, because there's no playbook for these times. I'm asking like, what are you seeing? How are you understanding church? How, wh what are you guys doing? What, what are you, what's your understanding of like the cultural trends? All, all those kind of questions. And he said something very insightful that, that kind of stood with, stuck, stuck with me. He said, he said, you know what? I realize coming out of the pandemic, we as a society have done ourselves a little bit of a disservice. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, he said I feel like we have normalized retreating to our homes. Or he said, we've, I've, we've normalized just leaving everything else behind and just going off to our, ourselves. Are you, are you tracking with that? He said, and I think what's happened is that we've created this habit that because it's so normalized, it's, we're so quick to do it. We, we aren't out there 
you know, whether it's church or whether it's relationship. And I'm thinking about it in terms of what we're talking about today. It's like we are now living in times where we are retreating more than ever from relationships, essentially, while at the same time simultaneously needing meaningful relationships all the more. So it's like double-edged sword. Um, we all need relationships where people are in our lives. The way we said it from the beginning is we, we want to have people in our lives who aren't just asking, how are you doing? But how are you really doing? People who are doing life with us, not just asking how we're doing, but how are, how are we really doing? And, and being able to have a conversation around that. And sometimes we need people to speak truth into our lives, in love. Uh, when I was studying this last week, I was reminded of a time I needed that. I was living with a group of buddies. This was not too long after uh, undergrad. And uh, we were living in this big house together, a bunch of friends, kind of all in this bachelor pad, pad if you will, uh, just good buddies. Well, there, there came a point in time in which one of those guys and myself fell into kind of a sharp disagreement. I won't go into all the details, but we fell into kind of a sharp disagreement. And the way I stood it, I was just like, man, I didn't really appreciate the way this guy was treating me or like talking about, like all this sort of stuff. And I, I imagined he felt the same way towards me and all that sort of stuff. That's kind of the dynamic that we we're in. And it was kind of awkward because we're all friends and, you know, we're all in this one house. It's like, how do you, and it didn't seem like anything was moving towards resolution. So it's like, all right, what's going to happen? So it was just, you know, a couple weeks went by and it's just like, we're still there. Well, buddy and I went out to another buddy, uh, of mine, and I went out to breakfast, and uh, he was just checking in on me, asking how things were going, and just, uh, you know, asking me about, like, you know, how I was processing things, and, uh, and I was just kind of letting him know, just kind of sharing all, all the different pieces, and at, at one point over breakfast, he said, hey, David, like, I want to I share something, you know, I I'm not trying to say anything about who's right or wrong. Like, as I hear your story, and I understand the pieces, I'm not, like, on an island here. I'm living with both of you guys. Like, I'm not saying you're wrong here. I'm not saying any of that. But as you think about these dynamics and your part in it, in love, brother, I think you're acting a little bit like a donkey. <laughs> now, he didn't say donkey. This is a sermon, so I'm trying to process. <laughs> I'll let you fill in the gap. He said, he said you're, act, you're acting like that. And my response was, yeah, but, and he let me go for a little bit. And he said, yeah, I, hey, again, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm, I, you understand, I'm trying try to do this lovingly. And I, I, you know, if I were in your position, you know, I'd be in this, you know. He said, but you could probably handle this a little bit differently, don't you think? And I feel like it was in that moment that the Lord very graciously allowed me to go, oh, you know, he might be right. <laughs> and that was the moment that I think the Lord started to use to move towards good, loving, healthy relationship. But it took my buddy saying that and sitting in it with me and approaching it very lovingly and, and carefully and all that sort of stuff for me to be able to hear and all that sort of stuff. Of course, you know, it's all smothered in God's grace and helping all that situation. But, but we, all know that, we all know the reality of being human is we're going to need people from time to time who are, are going to have to call out that we have some cilantro in our teeth or whatever it is. You don't need cilantro. We all, we all need that. Right? We all need people. But the only way that's going to happen is if we're in intentional relationships. If we're not, we're going to be living on an island where we think we're right all the time. And, you, and where's the, the growing in maturity in that? Uh, we need people to speak truth into our lives. We need to be able to do that for others. But notice here, Paul doesn't say, instead, speaking the truth, we will grow. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. I think we've got to be real careful because sometimes we can very easily just go only the truth part. And I think that's an important distinction here. Uh, there's other places in Scripture that talk about a similar principle where it talks about how it's not just truth, but it's truth and grace. By the way, it's not just grace. It's grace and truth. 
both of those go hand in hand. I think we can all sit here and come up with examples where only truth with no grace is terrible. And we can all think of examples of only grace without truth, also terrible. We need truth and grace. And here's my humble musings, in case this, anybody else, if this does anything for you. It seems to me that most of us tend to fall into one of those categories over the other. We all have a tendency to lean more truth without grace, or we tend to move towards grace without truth. Now, obviously, the goal is both, but I think in our human, fleshly, fallen state, we, we have a tendency to move one or the other. As I've paid attention to my life down the years, I think I'm willing to, to quote, go there when I, when I need to, but I think I probably fall. My tendency is probably more on the grace without truth spectrum if, if, if I was going to pick one that I, I, I lean towards. Um, but that's not always the most loving. That could be enabling or whatever the case. I have another buddy, different guy, same time in my life, uh, who uh, didn't live in that house but was, I mean, this guy was just so loving, so kind-hearted, generous, just all these wonderful traits that actually also kind of made him susceptible to kind of people taking advantage of him. He was just so nice, lived like his heart on his sleeves, that sort of thing. Great guy, man, love him to pieces. Good buddy of mine. And uh, at one point, uh, there, he started dating this gal, a good gal herself, but the combination of who he was and uh, from my humble perspective was like, this is not going to be good. It's like she's starting, it was not a good situation. And, you know, I, my whole approach was, hey, you know, he's a good buddy of mine, but it's not my business or, I'm, you know, I'm over here. I'm not going to really get into that. And, but when you start having other people who aren't super close be like, uh, are you going to talk to him? Like, why, you know, when he gets to there, you're like, all right, probably something, you know. But I had this realization. This is crazy. I had this realization. I was like, you know what? I mean, I'd like to think, I mean, who knows? I'd like to think I would be willing to take a bullet for this guy. But I was not willing to have a conversation with him about this gal, right? And I'm like, but how is that loving, right? How is that loving? Um, truth without grace isn't, isn't love. Grace without truth isn't love. We need both. We need to be able to, you know, my buddy, my buddy who sat with me at that breakfast and called me a donkey, uh, he, he, he was giving me truth, but he was couching it in grace, Right? He was saying things like, hey, I, don't, I might not see this all right. And by the way, if I were in that situation, I, I might be doing some. He's doing all of that. I might not even get this right, but really though, right? Um, so it, truth and grace, grace and truth. We need to be able to be there for others and, and, and give that to them when, when it's appropriate. But the, com, the inverse of that is also true. We need to be able to receive that as well. Not just give it, but receive that. I almost, almost want, it would be fun to do a poll. Who, who thinks you're better at giving it than receiving it? Than receive? We all have these different tendencies, and it's a good, uh, it would be good to do kind of a heart diagnosis and be like, well, where am I on all this? We need to also be able to receive truth. How are you at receiving it? The classic example on this is just about all of us had times when we were like teenagers, and our parents came up to us and said, son, daughter, you really ought not to be pursuing that. You, you don't want to go that direction. Trust me. That, that person, no, you, you probably don't want to go there. And how did we respond at the time? Like, you don't understand me. Like, you, if you were loving, you wouldn't say that to me. Like, you don't understand the circumstances I do. That's not loving. And then fast forward the tape a, a few years, right? And we look back and we're like, okay, they kind of understood me. <laughs> like, okay, they really understood me. And oh, my parents are awesome. I've taken them for granted, right? Uh, that's 
That's the human heart. And think about that. If we use the example of teenagers, they're growing in maturity. We need to grow in our maturity in Christ. And part of that is by speaking truth and love, grace and truth, but it's also receiving it from time to time. We need to receive it. And again, that comes back to being in relationship where we're not just asking how you're doing, but able to ask, how are you really doing? Uh, it's so important to be in intentional relationships, all the more in these times when we're retreating. We need to be in intentional relationship. Here's something I think is so important in terms of what Paul is, is, is actually not saying, okay? What Paul is not saying here is, church fam, here's a hammer, go find some nails, just start whacking, okay? Truth and love, right? If you start to hear it that way, you probably lean in the truth over grace, Tennessee. That's probably... He's not doing that. Because remember, go back to Ephesians 4, 2, where he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, right? That's the umbrella in which we're now talking a few verses down. So that's kind of there. And now I believe what Paul is saying, when it's appropriate, when the timing makes sense, we need to be able to offer and or receive truth in love, truth and grace grace, and truth. Uh, one more quick thought here. Uh, what's interesting in the original language is Paul uh, kind of made up a word. Uh, and I think the Eng our English translation, at least the one that I'm, that I'm reading from NIV, I think they do a good job because what else are you going to do here? They say speak, instead speaking the truth in love. But what Paul actually does here in the original language is he takes the noun of truth and kind of verbifies it. I don't know. I'm making up words as he made a word. Okay. So he, he says, he says, Instead, truthing in love. Are you following? He doesn't say, he's not saying, speak, the, word, the verb speaking is not there. He's just saying, instead, truthing in love, we will grow. So I just call that out to say that obviously a big part of that is going to be with our words, right? I mean, it has to be. But it's not just with our words. We need to truth in love, grace and truth, through our actions, through our deeds, as we model it for one another and we offer it to each other and receive it from each other. We will grow into the likeness of Jesus. Because this is who Jesus is. I mean, John 1.14 says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, the Son of God, could have come into this world and truthed us. Right? He could have just come down as the perfect Perfectly righteous, holy and just son of God said, I'm going to put you in your place. He could have done that. And he would have been right for it. But he didn't. He came in truth, yes, but also in grace. Grace, yes, but also in truth. And he didn't just live truthing in grace. He literally died truthing in grace. Like on the cross, truth, he dealt with our sin. We deserve the penalty of sin. The separation from God because of the things that we do apart from him. That's the truth part. But he died in our place. That's the love. That's the grace part. That's the gospel. And so as we offer this to each other with humility, with gentleness, patience, forbearance, we are joining God in his work. But that doesn't just happen. We have to be in intentional relationship. So do we see then how important these two ways are for the development of our faith? Uh, growing in Christ, by the way, growing as human beings, but, but as Christians in particular, growing as people, it's through intentional service. It's through intentional relationships. 
And I was talking this over with Cindy. She, she pointed out the, the insight that these two tend to go hand in hand, don't they? You have, when, you, when you look to serve, you often will find that there's meaningful relationships in that too. And, and, and as you serve, you will, excuse me, as you develop relationships, you'll be able to link arms and serve. And it's just kind of like a culminating effect because when you're developing relationships with people who are serving, oh, how much more meaningful will that be? Let alone linking arms for the sake of caring for people, loving them, pointing them to Jesus and eternity. So these, these are the two ways Paul calls out. He says, hey, you want to understand two ways that we attain under the full measure of Christ, or at least are moving in that direction through these means, intentional service and intentional relationships. And so the question I have for you, current family, is are you serving? Are you in relationships? And not just relationships of how are you doing, but how are you really doing? And able to ask that same question to those around you, those in the family. And it is our job to equip you for that. So, I mean, if you are here today in person, where's Mike? You can fill out a connection card and just say, hey, I want to take a next step here. You can write it however you want. We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, if, if you want to do that, you can put it in, in the bucket. If you're looking for a way to serve, we'd love to get you connected. If you're looking for getting deeper into relationships, you can do that. If, you're, if you're online, you can go to uh, currentsv.church backslash Sunday teams or click on the groups uh, page. We'd love to get you connected. But the whole point here is Paul is talking about this mystery made known, the church, is the goal here is not just to quote-unquote do church. The goal here isn't even quote-unquote to attend church. The, the goal here is to be the church. And how we do that, at least in great part, is by serving together and being in meaningful relationships, even, even as, by the way, we all desperately need Jesus in the midst of all of that. And we'd love to be here to help you on that journey if you, if you want to take a next step today. Let's pray. Father, as we read a few weeks ago in Ephesians 3, you said it's, you're making your manifold wisdom known through the church. And we feel like, I don't know, I feel like we're just getting a fuller and broader, beautiful picture of what that means. How wise it is of you to help Help us in our growth in you and as people in general that you, you designed it such that we do that through serving, loving and caring for one another and, and together doing that uh, as a church. And then you, you do that also through meaningful relationships, but relationships that aren't just going to happen, uh, ones that we have to invest in. And, and so, Father, we just ask for your help in all of this. Lord, would you, would you please, by your grace, as, help your church, the expression of it here at, at Current, uh, enter into these things? Because, Lord, our heart is to enter into them, but, but we also confess, even at the, the get-go, that uh, we're not going to do these things terribly well without your help, without your grace and your truth. And so, Father, would you be, as you say here in Ephesians 4, the head of your church, helping us grow in the likeness of Christ. And would you help us each be there for each other in the midst of all this? We love you and we're so thankful that you called us not only to be a family together here in Silicon Valley, but to serve the greater community, pointing them to Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen.